Well, good morning. Uh, maybe a little few of you are awake there. It's good to have you guys all here this morning. My name is Donnie. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Super excited to share with you this uh, message that we're kicking off today. But before we get into the message, I just want you to remember the words that we just sang because it really, it really sets up the message this morning. It says, open my eyes and then lead me to those who are in my life. And I, I condensed it, but that's, that's the part that I want you to think about as you sing it. Uh, we're really going to challenge whether or not that's what you live or believe as we go into this uh, message this morning. But uh, if you're new to us today, uh, we want you to know that uh, we value your questions. And so those of you who have been here a while, you've heard us say this a thousand times, but we want to make you aware of it every single time because we genuinely mean we value your questions. So on Tuesday morning, we do a thing called Live Q&A on Facebook Live, and uh, we answer the questions that you send to either the text uh, address or the email address. And then we try to answer your questions. So we really do. We want to answer questions that are on your hearts and minds, and we'll do our very best to answer them. But that's Tuesday morning. We leave it there. So if you miss it, it doesn't matter. It's still there. You can go back and check that out. So that's there for you to use, and we encourage you to do that. Um, today, uh, we're starting this series called Invest and Invite. Invest and Invite. And don't worry, we're not talking about your money. Matt just talked about that last week, all right? We're talking about something even more important than money. You want to know what that is? your time and your relationships, all right? So uh, we're just, you know, starting out the year really well, just trying to hit those easy subjects, all right? So as we talk about investing and inviting, what I'm going to be sharing with you today really lies in this idea of, of making sure that we invest our time in our relationships intentionally. So invest intentionally. And what does that really look like? And so we're going to dive into that in a moment. But before we do so, I want to get started with a word of prayer. So uh, let's just pray here. Dear God, we just uh, commit this service to you today. I thank you for the opportunity to speak to my brothers and sisters in Christ here this morning. And, and Lord, just maybe even those who are just curious about what faith really is. And so God, I pray that today the message that you've laid on my, my heart would be your words, not mine. Whatever is true, seal it up in our hearts and whatever is false, let it fall by the wayside. So God, we just thank you for that, Lord, and thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and serve you and to worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, so how does investing intentionally uh, work within our lives? And so if you've been here at Journey long enough, there's a few statements that we, that we say on a very regular basis. And, and what I'm going to kind of unpack for you this morning is how investing intentionally goes right along with some of these key phrases that we have in our, uh, I'll just say the, the basket of what and defines what journey really is all about. And so if you've been here any length of time, uh, you will have heard many of these statements, okay? And in fact, even just the fact that you're here today, you saw one of the statements as you walked in through the door. But I want us to understand why we say these things, all right? And so when we invest intentionally, uh, it starts with our mission statement, all right? And as you walked in through the doors, you saw it out there on the wall. But I want us to say this together, all right? Because this really defines why we want you to do this, okay? Start with me. We exist to humbly point everyone to absolute hope. Hmm. All right, let's say that one more time together. We exist to humbly point everyone to absolute hope. And so we've got to ask ourselves, is that really what we exist for? Now, that might be fine and good. That's the church I go to. They exist to point everyone to absolute hope, but I just kind of leave it up to them. So what I want us to understand is why do we even make that one of our mission statements. Why, or not one of, why, why do we make that our mission statement? And it really comes out of a passage of scripture out of 2 Timothy verse, chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. And I want you to set this as kind of the foundational verse 
for what we're going to be uh, talking about here in the next 30, 40 minutes. So it says, proclaim the message, persist in it, whether it's convenient or not. All right, so that message of absolute hope. All right, you're in a church that believes that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. They, God exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's only one way to get to God. You're not in a universalist church. Um, we believe that Jesus is the only way to get to God. Uh, there's no other path that, to get there. So when we say absolute hope, that packs in a whole lot of information. Like, he is the only way. It's, it was true 2,000 years ago. It's true 2,000 years later. Jesus is the only way. All right? So when we say absolute hope, we're saying we are humbly pointing everyone to that absolute hope that Jesus Christ embodies. So, but <laughs> you've got to persist in it, whether it's convenient or not, because that's not what the world wants us to hear right now. So then it even gets a little bit more difficult. So with that same message of hope, rebuke, nah, I don't, I don't like to do that. Correct, no, lost me, not going to correct anybody. I'm not going to be that guy with the message of Jesus. I'm out. And encourage. Okay, I'm back in. All right, I'll, I'll join the encouraging side of the message of Christ with great patience and teaching. And so that humbly part is when we really embody the message of Christ, it's all of it. It's not just, a, it's just, it's not one caveat. It's the whole message of hope. And so if it's not encouraging if there's not correction and rebuke happening. So there is no encouragement if you don't do the other. So anyways, that's where the, it starts. And then look at what happens. For the time will come when they will not tolerate, who's they? It's the world around us. They will not tolerate sound doctrine. There's going to be a time where absolute hope becomes relative, and your truth becomes your truth, and my truth is my truth, but it doesn't really matter what your truth is because my truth is superior to your truth. That's not absolute hope. Absolute hope is hope regardless of whose truth is. It's God's truth. So there's going to be a time where they won't deal with sound doctrine, but according to their own desire, they're going to multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear something new, right? Why do we want you to understand that we exist to humbly point everyone to absolute hope? Because we want everybody to know that Jesus Christ is the hope of this world, and it's the only hope that the world has. So that's the why. Now, today's message, I'm not going to spend, I can spend hours talking about that, but I'm not going to. I'm going to spend hours talking about the how. No, I'm just joking. Uh, now, we're, the message today is more about how do we do that? What does that really look like in the life of a believer? And someone who says, yeah, I'm I follow Christ. What does that really mean? Besides, I go to journey. We don't want you to say I go to journey. I mean, you can't. We do want you to say that. But that's not the essence of it all. We want you to follow Christ. All right? We want you to be a follower of Jesus. We want you to embody the hope that he displays within us. And so we have this other phrase. It's called our vision statement. All right? This one's not everywhere as much. It's still ingrained in just about everything that we do. But maybe you don't know this one. I'm not going to put you on the spot. We're just going to say it together. All right? So... All right, so here we go again. This is our vision statement. Start with our mission, the why. Now we're going to the how, all right? We are transformed people changing our friends' lives by absolute hope, okay? Now let's say that one more time. We are transformed people changing our friends' lives by absolute hope. So now we've just taken the why, and now we're saying, okay, this is what it looks like. We, when, when we are transformed, it literally makes a difference in the lives of those around us, all right? So now, not only are we going to a church that exists to humbly point everyone to absolute hope, now we're saying, I am transformed and I exist to see people's lives change. People's lives are being changed because of the transformation that happens within me, okay? But we need to take a moment and just think about that statement for a second. You need to 
just digest that. Is that really your statement? Because it's not about us. This is about your story. This is about you. This is about, is this your phrase? Because it may be ours, but when we talk about investing intentionally, this has to be real. Like, this has to be your statement. Because if, if this isn't your statement, you're not, you're not going to do it. So I want you to think about, is this, am I really transformed by the grace of Christ? Okay? And so what I want to do is give you an example of a guy, a guy by the name of Paul. Um, I would love to give you Jesus' example, but oftentimes when I say, well, it'd be like Jesus, people are like, yeah, well, Jesus was God and I'm not, so I, I kind of got a pass on that one, right? Well, guess what? Uh, although there's some very good illustrations I can make with Jesus' words because he said them, um, I'm going to go with Paul. All right? Paul, originally his name was Saul. If you don't know who he was, his name was Saul. And by his own admission, he classifies himself as the chief of all sinners, all right? So I start with him because, hey, if, if we can associate with the chief of all sinners, uh, he was also a murderer, all right? And so I don't know if you've murdered anybody today. Don't tell me. Uh, I might have to report you. But, um, but he was a murderer. And so we're starting with the scum of the earth, all right? We're starting with the low of the low so that we can compare ourselves to him, all right? So he was... He, by his own admission, he hated Jesus. Like this whole idea of absolute hope. Jesus was an enemy of Paul. And anybody that followed him, followed Jesus, was also an enemy of Paul. So maybe you're there, okay? Because I want to show you what a transformation looks like, all right? So we're going to start in Acts to see what this transformation happened in Saul's life. So we pick up the story where now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He was, he was the cause of multiple people being stoned and killed. Uh, we have one account of it as he stoned Stephen, all right, in the scriptures. If you don't know it, go back and read it. Uh, but he's still breathing these threats. And he went to the high priest and he asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus. And so he was the chief prosecutor. So he literally had permission to go across the land and collect anybody that believed in Christ so that he could bring them back, persecute them, and put them to death. That's what Paul's mission in life was for anybody that followed the message of Jesus Christ. All right? So that if he found any belonging to the way, the way with what the early followers of Christ were called, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Okay? Everything I just said. That's what the Bible says, okay? So that's what his mission was. He was an enemy of the cross of Christ. The absolute hope had not yet transformed Christ. So maybe some of you are here today like that. You're like, you're still checking it out. You're on the other side. You, you're here begrudgingly just because, yeah, I don't know, I'm going to some Sunday fun day thing afterwards. My wife invited me. I'm going to be there for the kids. <laughs> Hurry up, Donnie, and get done talking. I don't know. That might be you, okay? And if it is, that's totally fine. Paul was there too. A transformation moment has to happen at some point in time. So let's, let's continue this story and see what happened to Paul because we all start like Saul. And let's see what Paul did. So then it came about as he journeyed on his way to Damascus that it suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Kapow! If I had like pyrotechnics, this would be the time for it. I don't. And he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That'd be kind of freaky. You hear this audible voice in the atmosphere around you. And he said, who art thou, Lord? Who are, who's speaking? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Man, that would be phenomenal. But rise now and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. And a man who traveled with him. So he wasn't alone. Remember, he was a chief prosecutor. He had a, he had a whole entourage of people who were going to join him in arresting people and bringing him back to Jerusalem so that he could, he could persecute them, Right? They all stood with him, speechless. 
They heard the voice, but they saw no one. And Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Now, I'm going to spiritualize that text in a second, but he literally was blinded. Um, but I love the spiritual imagery there. We, our eyes are open, but we see nothing. And they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. And so in this, in this story in the, of, of Paul's conversion and Paul's transformational moment, he hears Christ. He persecutes Christ. He knows everything about the message of Christ. He's ever, he's ever hearing and ever seeing, but he sees nothing. He's blind. Maybe that's how some of us are here today. We've heard about Jesus, but it's not transformed us yet. It's not really who we are yet. It's just we're ever seeing, but our eyes are blind. You have to decide if that's who you are, because here's what I know. Here's what I know about transformation. If you are not transformed by Christ, you won't invest intentionally in someone else's life. Now, you're, you're going to invest intentionally in other relationships, but not for the sake of Christ. If you're ever going to invest in people's lives for the sake of Christ, you've got to be transformed by Him. Because if not, you won't. That's just the truth of the matter. So, from this point forward, if you're still, if you're a Saul, then I just encourage you, the rest of the message today really does not apply to you, all right? The rest of the message is for those who are transformed. At this point in time, I really encourage you, just get stuck here for a minute and just ask yourself, what are you going to do with the message of Christ? Are you going to live as an enemy of Christ or are you going to accept him? Because Christ said, I'm the only way to get to heaven, all right? So imagine the world is pretty bad. Everybody says, look how evil the world is and how would a loving God do that? Okay, the evil that exists in the world is, is there even with the presence of God. Hell, eternity without God, is the absence of anything good. So regardless of your emotional or mental or physical condition, it doesn't matter. What matters is your spiritual condition. Christ came to resolve your spiritual condition. So you have to deal with what is your spiritual condition in light of the message of Christ. Because without Christ... Your spiritual condition will exist in eternity without any semblance of goodness. And we whine enough about the evil that's on this earth now. Imagine what that would look like without the goodness of God in any area. Or we can go on to live in eternity with nothing but the goodness of God if we accept the message of absolute hope of Christ. It's your choice. So that's where I'm going to leave you if you're still struggling with the message of Christ. If not, then this is what I know about transformation as well. If you are transformed by Christ, then guess what? We get to, you get to invest intentionally. It's not a have to, it's a get to. And I really want you to, I want you to be inspired by this because so many times we think about the message of Christ, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. I don't, no, we get to be on mission with God. Like this is a privilege. It's not a, it's not a punishment. We're transformed. When you're transformed, it's something that happens because of the transformation that happens within us. Once Paul's life was transformed by the message of Christ, he went on to change the world. You and I are sitting in this room because of the message of Paul. He went on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. He went from a murderer and a chief prosecutor of the message of Christ to become the chief supporter and changer of the world. 2,000 years later, we still remember the transformation of Paul. Now, I'm not telling you you got to be Paul, but I'm just telling you right now, I want you to understand that when a transformation happens, it permeates every element of your being. Like, it's not a punishment to be transformed by Christ. It's a blessing. We get to be on mission 
with God. All right. So now, again, we're talking about uh, helpful things, helpful tools that we want to give to you to, to identify what does this really mean in the life of a believer at, 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 as far as what we consider that at Journey. So we have some more phrases that we use. Maybe you've heard our, our core ambitions. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard that terminology, but this is what really drives everything about the ministry of Journey. And if you can just summarize that, imagine we got a big target on the back wall. It says, okay, what does it mean uh, if we're going to have a follower of Christ be a part of Journey? We've said, okay, these are the four markers of a disciple. This is what we're hoping to see evidenced in their life. Now, it's, there's no magical tool here. This is just our terminology to help us make sure that we stay on mission as a church, right? And our four markers are partnering brings community. I'm not doing a sermon on that today. We have plenty of them. Uh, growing brings change. Again, not doing that one, although I do hope you're growing spiritually right now. Uh, serving brings purpose. Not doing that one either. But I am talking about leading brings hope. And we're not talking about being leadership principles. We're talking about leading people to the absolute hope of Jesus Christ. So that's one of our four core marks of a disciple. Now, we know that this is one of the the weakest links in our discipleship making process. Why? Because we know that nobody likes to correct or rebuke anybody. All right? We know it's hard to live in that message of the hope of Christ. We know that. So we have to, we have to encourage you that there's, there's hope in that. And, and when we do that, it's done in an act of love because as we experience the transformation of Christ, it's not like you're standing on a soapbox beating people with the message of Christ. If that's the case, then you're not doing what Christ came to do. So we have to understand, though, that it's, it's part of our responsibility. It's a mark of a disciple. When we're transformed, we can't keep from doing it. So when we do this invest intentionally, Matt and I have this opportunity to go down to Haiti, and we're doing some uh, pastoral development and leadership training. Um, it's the same information that we teach up here in, in America. We're teaching down in Haiti. Uh, Matt actually gets to go to Kenya and teach the same material when he goes to Kenya in the, in the summer. But what we do is we call it our circle of responsibility. Okay, so when we think about you, uh, I want you to see yourself in this circle right here. Uh, you're in the middle, all right? And so this circle of responsibility, uh, imagine this was Paul, all right? So you're, he had a circle of responsibility, and so do you. The, you're transformed, and your circle goes with you everywhere you go, okay? There's people from other churches in your circle. There's government officials. There's governments that are in your circle. There's friends. There's schoolmates that are in your circle. There's enemies, people that you don't like, maybe not as and like friends. Uh, Paul's enemies, but you still have enemies. There's prisons and prisoners. Maybe you have ex-cons in your, in your family, maybe in your relationship, in your circle. You just go through that circle. You have a circle. Your circle right now is intermixing with everybody else in the room. My circle is in here right now. So my role is to give you the truth of the Word of God. Right? And so everywhere you go, you get to take your circle with you. But how you invest in these relationships is entirely up to you, all right? So when we talk about circle, that's what I want you to understand when we, when we say that phrase, your circle of responsibility, okay? So this is what I know about your circle. In order for you to, be, uh, to invest intentionally, you've got to be prepared to share the message of hope in your circle. Are you ready to share the message of Christ in your circle? Because you're sharing something you're in your circle. People think something about you. They already do it, all right? What are you doing intentionally within your circle? That's really what this is all about. Are you investing intentionally in those relationships that already exist in your life? My encouragement to you is that I hope you do, all right? 
So again, we're giving you some helpful tools, things that we, that we do here at Journey to try and give you resources to be able to invest intentionally. Right? There's three words that we want to give you that, to identify when you live in that circle. What are the three things that we want you to understand that you're investing? All right? um, the three things that you are investing are time, trust, and truth. Time, trust, and truth. Easy, three T's, right? Time, trust, and truth. You're already investing your time. I'm not asking you to go to Rwanda. I'm not asking you to go to Timbuktu. I'm asking you to look at your circle. You already have your circle. You walked into this room with your circle. Just stay in your circle. But I want you to look at where you're spending your time. In that circle, where is your time going? Are you investing it intentionally, or is your schedule just chaotic and you're just kind of at the mercy of whatever's happening? You are the author of your, where you spend your time. Okay? Understand you're investing trust as well. And here's what I want you to understand about trust. You're either building trust in your circle or you're destroying trust in your circle. I guarantee you you're doing one of two in all those relationships. You can't do anything but those two. So you've got to ask yourself, am I intentionally building trust? Because if you're going to share the message of Christ, there has to be a relationship of trust. Because if they mistrust everything you say, then guess what they're going to believe about the message of Christ? They're going to mistrust you. So you've got to be building trust. And then the one that most followers of Christ don't want to do is we don't like to carry truth with us. And this is the problem with when we talk about the absolute hope is when you, when you say absolute hope, just by saying that, you are earmarking the idea that you carry with you truth. But that's where it gets sticky in the world around us, and we don't like that confrontation that could possibly ensue because we have the truth with us. We'd rather just, I just want people to know how good of a person I am by the way that I spend my time. I just want them to know I love them. Okay, but if we don't ever, I'm being silly. All right, but if we don't ever tell them the truth, then they're never going to know why you're a good person. And the, the sharing of God's message doesn't happen by osmosis. So I want to jump back into the story with Paul and just, and just see an example of if this happened in his life. After, after his transformation, did he model this concept with us of time and trust and truth, all right? So let's, um, let's jump to Acts 22, and, uh, and he's, he's getting arrested in this moment. Why? Because he's preaching the truth is what's happening, and he's ticking all the Jews off. The same people that he once represented and, and, and went out and gathered all the people to persecute, well, now they're persecuting him, all right? So the commander, the cop, the, the orderly of the time, ordered that the Paul be taken into the barracks, all right? That means he's arrested. He directed that he be flogged and interrogated in order to find out why the people were shouting at him like this. So flogged and interrogated, if you've ever watched Passion of the Christ, when Jesus is standing there chained to the, the cement marker there and, and they whip out the cat of nine tails and they beat him. All right, that's what was happening to Paul, and he's, and he's standing there. So I want you to get that picture in your mind, right? So he's stretched out. He's ready to, he's barebacked, and he's ready to be flogged. That's the picture. You've got to get this picture to understand what Paul just did. He got himself arrested for preaching the truth. He's ready to be flogged. Now watch happen. As they stretched him out to flog him, Paul said to the centurion standing, I love this, all right? This, I'm, I'm sorry, this is my personality coming out. But he's there like this, and he looks over him. Is that legal for you to beat me like this? Is it legal for you to flog a Roman citizen who hasn't been taught? He knew he was a Roman citizen the whole time. Why did he wait till he got chained up ready to be beat? Because he was maximizing the moment. 
He was investing his time intentionally. He was, he was going to make a statement. Okay? He didn't want to go get arrested, but he was preaching the truth. So he's like, well, if I'm going to get arrested, we're going to make the most of this, so keep going. When the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and he reported it. What are we going to do? He asked, this man's a Roman citizen. You couldn't do that. Like, this was against the law. Paul knew it was against the law. He knew who he was in his circle of influence, in the government officials. The commander went to Paul and he asked him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? I love this. Imagine, imagine Paul. Like, if it were me, I'd be like, yeah, yes I am. <laughs> and he answered, oh, I had to pay a lot of money for my citizenship. Yeah. I was born this way. That's probably not his antics, but imagine he had this trump card in his back pocket the whole time. Why was he doing this? Imagine his circle again. What was he trying to get across? Okay? He knew who he was in his circle. All right? He probably wasn't that arrogant or cocky. Okay, Maybe he was scared. Uh, those who were about to interrogate him withdrew immediately. They knew they had crossed the line. The commander himself was alarmed when they realized that he had put Paul, a Roman citizen, in chains. Put yourself in that situation. The commander wanted to find out exactly why Paul was being accused by the Jews. Okay? So now Paul's circle just got bigger. Watch this. So the next day, the commander, the officer, this, this, the guards, this, the elite governors of the time, they brought him before and they released him and ordered the chief priests, other church people, the Sanhedrin, all the members of the Sanhedrin, that was the legal council, brought him before them all and had Paul stand before them. Huh. Now imagine you in that moment, your circle, are you ready to share the truth if that were to ever happen. Now, I pray to God that that doesn't ever happen to you, okay? This was Paul. Paul was unique. Paul uh, had some chutzpah, we'll just say that, okay? He, he knew how to maximize the moment, but here's what I do want to ask you. You have a circle. You have government officials that you're friends with, maybe. Maybe you are a government official. You have businesses. You have, you have all these people in your circle are you ready at a moment's notice to be able to share the truth of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Paul modeled this time after time after time after time. Now I pray that you don't have to go get beat or flogged. But I do hope that you understand that you get to share the message of Christ where you go. Now you don't have to go around preaching all the time, but you go around living it out all the time. People are watching you. Okay, Are you in... You just have to decide who you are in that circle. What does your circle look like? What do you look like? Because this is what I want you to know about investing intentionally. To invest intentionally, we must take the truth of the Word of God to our circle. You have to carry the truth with you. You just have to understand that if you are transformed by Christ, you carry a message of truth. Now, we all talk differently. We are all different. Uh, for example, I used to uh, live up in Michigan, and, and one of the things I did, I sat on the school board. And when I sat on the school board as, a, as an elected official, I didn't preach all the time. They knew I was a preacher, all right? But I, I invested my time intentionally because I was wired towards government things and education. I wanted to make a difference that way. I made a difference that way. Stacy, my wife, is a teacher. I love how when we met, she was a missionary over in China. She got kicked out of China and banned from China because she, as a teacher, she had a little boy that was going through a tough time, and, and she told this little boy about Jesus and the government officials found out about it, and they kicked her out. They barred her from ever coming back in and teaching in China, right? Now, it kind of made the 
mission director mad because she was supposed to be a little bit more secretive than that. She didn't quite understand that element. But the reality is, what would you do and how are you prepared to invest intentionally in the lives of those with the message of truth? Are you going to be worried about being kicked out of China? Or are you going to share the message of truth? And hopefully that little boy, I don't know what happened to that little boy. Stacy never got to go back and be with them ever again. Okay? But what about you? What's your circle look like? We all have a circle. You brought it in with you. What are you doing it? Do you know who you are in your circle? You see, Paul went on and he continued to invest in others. He invested intentionally in relationship. I love how he invested in the next generation. It's one of the reasons why I spend so much time myself trying to invest in the next generation as well. Look at what Paul did for, for Timothy. So imagine Paul, he's, he's older and he's a Pharisee and then he turned convert and he's older and wiser. And then Timothy, this young man, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. In other words, set an example in the way you spend your time, in the way you live your life, continuing to build trust. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and preaching and to the teaching. Now we're to the truth. You see, Paul is evidencing this even in how he's encouraging Timothy to live his life. Do not neglect your gift which is given to you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Right? Paul is encouraging him, make sure that you live this out. Watch your life and doctrine. Okay, That's your time and your trust. And your truth. Your time is your life. Your doctrine is your truth. He said, watch them closely. Persevere in them. There's that persistence again. You see how this, this message of, of persisting in it, we're taking this message with us everywhere we go. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Again, it's back to, we don't have to do this. We get to do this. You will save others' lives. How? Because you're the Savior? No, because you're preaching the truth of the Savior. You're carrying the truth into your circle. We get to do this. This is amazing. Man, I hope that you guys can, can get this. So look at what Paul did here as he continues to go on. How did he even know Timothy in the first place? Okay, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a, with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. He's talking to Timothy. I recall your tears. I long to see you. And that means he lived life with Timothy. If you see someone cry, you've been there with them through tough stuff. Okay? I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother. He didn't just know Timothy. He knew grandma. He knew grandma Lois. He knew mama Eunice. He knew them. Why? He lived in relationship with them. And I am persuaded now lives in you also. Paul lived in these relationships. He knew his circle, and he's encouraging Timothy too. He said, for this reason, then, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. You are God's ambassadors in this world. If you are, if you are transformed by Christ, you live in your circle, and God is trying to fan you into flame to take him with you everywhere you go. Right? You don't have to become someone different. You just have to know who you are and take Christ with you in it. I could go on and on about Paul and his relationships. There's a passage in Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 23. I'm not going to read it all for you. But in that, in that passage, he lists over 35 names in one singular passage. 
telling them, greet my sisters, greet my brothers. There are Roman names, there are Greek names, there are Jewish names in that list. What does that mean? It means that he lived in relationship with them intentionally. He had an intentional relationship. You can't call someone by name if you don't know them. Shoot, I struggle with remembering people's names after I've known them for years sometimes. I'll be like, hey, what's this little name? I know you. Or you see someone, it's like, oh, who are you with? And, and I'm used to seeing them together as a couple in church. And I, if they aren't together as a couple, I'm like, man, I know who you are. And I can't remember your name. Oh, you're so-and-so's husband or wife. I'm like, yeah, that makes no sense. I'm sorry, I forgot your name. All right, so Paul didn't forget their name. He lived in intentional relationship with them. You get to do the same thing. But the question is, are you? Do you realize, do you realize that God has placed you in your circle on purpose to make a difference? Do you realize that's why we get to do this? You, you, you get to be a part of this with God. Like he goes with you everywhere you go. A transformed person, this just happens. Like, you get to be a part of this with people. It's not a burden. It's a privilege. I think about my wife and my, my two daughters. Uh, a little boy, she teaches second grade at River Oaks Academy, and, and, and one of her little boys, he plays baseball, and he's like, Miss, Miss Stacy, would you come to my game? And so he was persistent, and he had his mom text her, and she's like, okay. So she invested her afternoon to go watch this little boy's game, her evening, actually. But you want to know something that's even cooler? My two daughters, who also invest their time as volunteers in her classroom regularly, know the little boy, and so they went to the game with her, and his face lit up when he saw them. Why? Because they're investing intentionally in the relationship that God has. She doesn't have to go find a new circle. You don't have to go find a new circle. Just be the best version of you who Christ has called you to be in the circle that you already live in. You don't have to go wandering around wondering what I'm going to do. Just be a transformed person in your circle. Know that you're investing time, truth, and trust everywhere you go. And then when that happens, a transformed person will live intentionally in their circle. You'll just do it. It will happen. Why? Because you had to think about it? No, because you're transformed. It makes a difference in every single thing that we do. All right, so we've given, again, this is a, a helpful uh, message that we've designed, try to, to give you all the tools to make this as easy as possible. So we've got this amazing, amazing holiday coming up. Anybody know what it is? Anybody tell, tell me? Oh, Easter, okay. And, and you want to know what the two most um, attended sermons or series are or, or services are in the life of anybody? Easter and Christmas, yeah, we got the Christers. Okay, maybe some of you are them. But anyways, we got, we got Easter and Christmas, and, uh, and Easter's coming up. And so we've designed these incredible tools um, for you to share on your social media sites, your Instagrammers, your Facebookers, your Snapchatters, I don't care, your TikTokers, whatever, whatever you do, whatever your, whatever your social media platform is, you can take this with you. And if you're anti-social media, guess what God gave you? A mouth invite them okay so you just get to invite them we've tried to take away as much of the yeah i'm still not in on that true thing but i'll invite them to let someone else tell them about the truth of jesus bring them on in because guess what you can invite them to do what you're already doing you've already earned their trust you're already in their circle okay people aren't looking for a church they're looking for belonging they already belong in your circle maximize intentional activity in your circle 
with those who are far from Jesus. Do you realize that in an eight-mile radius, 89,000 people in an eight-mile radius of Journey Church do not go to church. We could have another 10 churches with 1,000 people in them right next door, and we'd still have 79,000 people that don't go to church. I don't think we're going to run out of people to invite. Now, what I hope they don't say to you is, you're a Christian? I didn't even know you went to church. Probably not. You might need to work on that whole trust thing there, all right? But even so, then that's a perfect opportunity to say, you know what? You're exactly right. I've been a hypocrite. You want to come, come with me so we can work on that together? Just maximize. Don't, don't let it dissuade you. Maximize it. Okay? So you live more like Saul sometimes than Paul. That's okay. Maximize it. I mean, it's not okay, but it is okay. Use it to invite them. Invest in the truth of, of Christ. We've tried to make it as easy as possible. But I do know this. It's not a burden to live a transformed life. It is a privilege by the God of this universe. And he wants to use you directly in the circle that he has planted you in. So I just encourage you, like Paul did, start, start viewing people differently. Instead of looking at them as enemies, look at them as people that God wants in his kingdom. People that you get to live in relationship with all the time. Because this is, when you, when you invite people, this is what we know. Investing intentionally makes inviting easy. It's, it's like a no-brainer. When you, when you live intentionally every moment of your day, it's really easy to ask people to join you, kind of like Chris's illustration. It's really awkward asking someone and inviting someone to a party that you don't even go to yourself. Okay? It doesn't usually work. But when you're already there, you can invite them right on with you. Let them join you. Because when we do, we will not just see our lives transformed by the grace of Christ. We will then become transformed people who see our friends' lives transformed by the absolute hope. So we encourage you. We hope that that's the kind of follower of Christ that you become. Because that's the kind of follower of Christ that we all get to be a part of. Let's pray. God, you are an awesome God. You have given us so much to be grateful for, so much to be thankful for. And yet, God, there are so many times where we, we just kind of get nervous on this whole thing of following you. So, God, I get that. But, God, I pray that you would just ease our hearts and realize that, Lord, you have placed us right where we're at on purpose. And you're going to walk with us the whole time. So, Lord, I pray that whatever, whatever circle people are a part of, God, I ask that you help them to be able to see that circle a little bit more intentionally now. And give them the courage to be able to stand for you in that circle. Lord, not in an offensive, arrogant, boastful way, but Lord, in a way that is loving and inviting others to join them in their journey of discovering the transformative grace of Christ. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for your mercy for when we mess things up. We thank you for your love all along the way. God, go before us. We love you, Jesus. We adore you. In your name we pray. Amen.